Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, today is going to be great, and it's because we finally get to launch our Christmas series called He Is. You know, we revealed our Jesus gift just a a couple minutes ago, and I'm excited about that, and I'm really pumped up about December 11th, which is next time we gather up here in the loft. Uh, And so I just want to encourage you one more time to come back ready to give in a way that, that we can just be a part of what God wants to do through you and through this church. Man, what a powerful worship set that was. And man, it's just going to be good. It's just, we're just getting started. Uh, and so we're just, I'm just praying over our ministries as we continue. I don't know if you got to look at the coat truck on the way up, man. There's some, a lot of things happening. There's a lot of parts moving right now during the month of, of Christmas or the month of, yeah, month of Christmas, month of December, you know. Uh, and then, then we have the Christmas Blitz, which is, is coming up on December 17th, which is that tree back there. And if you have a name and you you took it without signing, you know, please, please come back and at least fill out some information for us so we know where some of these gifts are. Here's why that's important. Last year we had some families that were taken and, and, and we did not get the information back. And so some of those families did not get a present. And, and, and But we were able to go out really quickly because of some awesome elves and they ran through the streets, stealing kids from all the kids, you know, stealing, killing kids, stealing toys from all the kids. Um, <laughs> That'd be against the law, uh, but you know they did a wonderful job of getting some toys together, and, and we were able to celebrate Christmas in a bold way. And, and we stalled out with a bunch of donuts until the, they all got back. So it was an awesome opportunity. I encourage you to be a part of this, even if you can't be, you know, participate in, in giving. You can at least come and, and love on some families, and it's awesome. It's an awesome, awesome time on December seventeenth at ten a.m. Uh, we got to be there at nine a.m. So we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, but it's, it's literally, it's a chance for us to see our church in motion as we love loud now during Christmas season. And I just want to say thank you for those who have already grabbed an ornament or two or three or four. I know some families have, have done that. And so I just want to say thank you in the way that you're doing ministry with us. Uh, and so, uh, and last, I just want to highlight one quick thing. You know, we're, we're, we're in the middle of, of Christmas, and we're, Christmas Eve Eve services are coming up, right? Christmas Eve Eve services are coming up, and those tickets will be online this week, uh, so you can start to grab them. And, and so I just want to encourage you, don't wait. Grab some tickets, invite some friends, and, and tell them you got a ticket uh, to an awesome night of encouragement with free child care. You know, what better opportunity to come and get free child care? And they can even... we. You you know, we can even serve them some free coffee and free, you know, we can, we, we can go out of this world. You can encourage somebody, hey, I've I, I provided everything. What a great way to celebrate during that season. There's going to be two, two events that night, uh, a 7 o'clock one and then about an 845 one. And so you can ch- pick and choose. Uh, but literally, uh, it's an opportunity for us to be able to engage what God's doing here, but also provide an opportunity to celebrate and worship uh, the, the, the reason why we are here, which is Jesus Christ. So, with all my announcements out of the way, I just want to dive into this big, huge picture right here, right now. Yep, there it is. It is here. It is here. And I don't know what this, you know, some of you are like, you know, if you can't see that picture, let me describe it to you. It's Buddy the Elf, except I am the Elf, and I love wearing this outfit. And here's why. You know, you get some a lot of attention. It's not because I'm narcissistic or self-centered or big-headed, but it, you can simply see how it changes the environment as soon as I walk in. As soon as I walk in in this outfit, it changes the culture. I went down to the post office two years ago. I did not leave for three hours. Everybody in the world wanted to take a picture with Buddy the Elf. 
and I was standing in line, you know, and I was singing and singing and I was loving it and people were just enjoying it. And, they, and you know, people, you would just come in with this happy looking face and they would walk out with a happy-go-lucky attitude. It was awesome. And literally, especially when you, you know, just start to walk into a school system and you just see the kids light up and they're just like, you're Buddy the Elf. And I'm like, yes, I am. And I don't know your name, but you are a kid, you know, and it's just so funny to watch them interact with you and, and love on it, you know. And, and so in my household, we've seen this movie way too many times, you know, but I can start to quote some of them, but I wrote some of them, my favorite ones down. You know, I, I start to walk around and say stuff like, I passed through the seven levels of the candy cane forest, through the sea of the swirly, twirly gumdrops. And then I walk through the what? The Lincoln Tunnel. You know, these are just some of the quotes I start going down the road. And the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all, too. Oh, come on. You're better than that this morning. I know you've seen this movie. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing loud for all, too. There we go. We elves like to stick to the main four food, food groups, and they are candy, candy canes, candy corns, and man, you've seen the movie. And, and my, my favorite one literally is Son of a Nutcracker. I don't know why. I just like saying it. Don't judge me. You know, it's just good. And there's always room for everyone on the nice list. You know, I told my son last night, I think you've been on the naughty list, but there's room for the nice list. So you better go start cleaning your room. You know, you better start helping your mom. You better be nice. I love what I did yesterday and I'm telling on them, but I stuck them both in a t-shirt and I said, if you can't love one another, you know, you're not getting out of there. And my, matter of fact, Matter of fact, you, you, you might get, you know, some of this stuff might not show up on Christmas simply because you're on the naughty list. And so they had to confess to mom they don't want to be on the naughty list no more. They want to be on the nice list. It was really, really amazing moment. And our kids hated us forever, ever more, I'm sure. But it was good. We had to love one another. We're teaching a biblical value. Don't judge me. Yeah, okay, so if you have your Bible, let's just turn to that thing. Uh, let's open up today and look at the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 9, to be really specific, uh, this will drive us through this series, and we can have a fuller understand, understanding of the names of Jesus. And so next week, I just want to just push this idea really quickly. Uh, we're going to continue this idea of, of He is as we look at the word mighty God. And I'm telling you right now, mighty God is huge. And I hope you come back and bring a friend because I believe what God wants to do through this message next week, and it's to change a life that can change a life. And it all starts with your life being changed. And so back in the early summer, uh, we had a vicious rumor that was whirling around, uh, around town about me and my wife about having what? Twins. Yeah, for some of you, you know it well. Uh, you commented or you still make comments. And I just wanted to finally tell you the truth and announce something from the stage this morning because the truth will set you what? free. And so if you have not seen my wife lately, we still got a couple months to go. And as you can tell, yes, we are pregnant. And the truth is, we are only having one kid. It is one large kid. We saw that x-ray the other day or the ultrasound in his foot the size of mine. I mean, it is nuts. Uh, and now thank the Lord we're not having twins because I don't think there's any more room in there. Uh, and it's just the way it is. Uh, because this, because, but it's but more because of this. It, it's, it, the naming process is really difficult. 
I mean, to name a child is really hard. What, what do you name your baby when your baby's born uh, can be a very difficult and challenging moment, especially if you have no clue what uh, we're going to call him or, or, or her. You know, I, right now we're just calling it M4, not the, not the gun or the, you know, the concrete. We're just calling it M4. Uh, but we're still taking names, and if we use your name that we take, uh, you get to change the first diaper. And so, you know, it's those moments... Uh, we were just trying to figure out where we're going and trying to come up with that perfect name. Uh, and, but here's, a, here's an example. Uh, when I was born, I did not have a name. Uh, you can blame my mom and dad if you want to, but they didn't see something when I was born. And so I was actually known as Baby Kilby because somehow I, I was viewed as my sister Renee. You know, uh, clearly they made a mistake. Uh, but don't worry, you know, I don't know how they made that mistake, uh, but they messed up, not me. Uh, I came out and I was just happy as can be. Uh, but then I went home two weeks without a name and, and, and my next door neighbor, he looks like a Jason and it stuck, you know? And so my parents said, yeah, Jason, it works for me. So seriously, uh, for Sarah and I, uh, we've done this four times now and we've ran out of names, our favorite names, uh, after the first three. And we've started to make them up and stretch them out and adding names and scratching names and and I didn't realize, you know, I just knew what Maximus and Mia, and then if we had the third one, God just revealed Micaiah to us, and, and, and now here we are, we're looking at the next one, and we're just, you know, we're, we're just scratching our heads, and we're just looking at naming this child, and, and it's kind of challenging, and, and, it's, and, you know, you just want to be very careful about this, especially as you get, get, go, it's about naming a kid, you know, and because it, it, the name sticks with them for the rest of their life, you know, it's like the country music song, you can't name a boy named Sue, you know, you just you just can't go down the road. And since he's not here this morning, we can pick on him. He's hurt. You may be praying for Stacy. But, you know, I love him dearly. But you can't name a boy named Stacy. You know, uh, he would us pick on his family. So you can go tell him I said that. He's not here. It's okay. You know, there, there are rules that no one ever tells you about naming a kid. For example, if your spouse ever dated someone in that name, you can't name him that. Uh, and, and it's just crazy because I truly am fighting for this one name. And she's like, no, not going to happen. I'm like, but I like it. You know, and if your parents or your spouses, uh, anybody ever knew anybody that had this name that they didn't like, uh, thought that it was slightly odd or a weird spelling or different, uh, that name is now off limits because they just said so. You know, uh, the whole naming thing can be uh, take a lot of effort and rather is important, especially when you realize uh, that names have a specific meaning. Uh, you have to think through this first and middle and last names very carefully. I mean, it's very wise to do this. Another thing is, is if you ever wondered why you were named the way you are. Have you ever gone back and realized, you know, why am I named David, John, Bill? You know, why are you named this Jennifer, Rachel, you know, Jill? Why are you named these names? For some of you, it's, it's, it's literally because your grandfather or your mother or, you know, great-grandfather or somebody fought in the War of 1812. You know, you don't really know. You just, you know, it's, it's for others because you, you were named after TV shows. Uh, for others, it's, it's because of a meaning. It's because of a meaning. My name, for example, Jason, it means actually healer uh, for stick around. You know, we're going to do some healing afterwards. You know, uh, but, you know, it's just, but, but my wife's name is Sarah. And it's meaning, it's, it's, it's princess. It's princess. 
says, but the real meaning of her name is because her mother wanted the biblical name of Sarah and, uh, and her brothers were in love with Farah Fawcett. And so, uh, so she actually is one of like, you know, a handful of 30 some odd people in North America that actually have the spelling of Sarah with two R's right in the middle. It's just the way it is because of Farah Fawcett named after Sarah in the Bible. Meaning is huge. Names are important. They speak volume into the world. Let me show you what I found on the, uh, this, this week as I was studying and preparing for this. You know, I looked up some different unusual names, and one of the ones that popped out on the, on the screen, the very first thing, it was, it was they named uh, uh, their daughter uh, Eileen Crow. Eileen Crow. It's a beautiful name. I don't have any problems with that. But when she married Mr. Wright, you know, things got really weird. That's right. Eileen Wright, you know, just kind of weird. Uh, it's just weird. I don't know. I just, I thought that was, I, some of you are still struggling with that one. So over your head, ask your neighbor, okay? You'll figure that one out later. You go, to the, yeah, oh, I right. <laughs> and everybody's laughing at you. Uh, you could see how awkward of a moment that could be, and you need to be very careful. Uh, but here are a couple other ones that I found. If you don't believe me, here they are. Uh, these, these are people's actual names. I feel sorry for them some, but this is, this is Bud Light. You, this is Bud Light. I mean, you know, not Buzz Lightyear, but Bud Light. I mean, I just thought that was very awkward. Man, mom, and dad, really proud of Bud Light. Um, this one, this one, Batman Ben Superman. I have no, I, I really, I was just, I was blown away. But this is number one of all names, Jedi Knight. The force is strong, man. The force is strong. Uh, can you imagine Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight, and, uh, and he raises, you know, he's just the teacher. And you know, I, I would love, that would be the name, you know, that would be the name. But okay, I hope you understand my point at this moment in the sermon. For some of you, your first time guests, you're like, what is going on? I don't know. Uh, but you got to be very careful when naming your kids. Because there, listen, here it comes. There is so much more than just a name. You need to hear that again. There is so much more than just a name. Seriously, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at four of the names of Jesus. And these names, though, we find in the Old Testament prophecies was given around 700 years. Check this out. 700 years before the birth of Christ. This is, this is amazing. In the season and time when, when there are a lot of turmoil, a lot of fear, a lot of the prophet Isaiah said this in Isaiah 9, verse 6. And if you don't have a Bible, there's some in the back. If you get in the Bible app, I encourage uh, the, green, the Green Tree Bible app, uh, the Bible U version. If you're not, here it is behind me. And it says this, and it says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, for to us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is what? Given. And I want you to just draw into these two us's. Uh, that's why we say believe with us, because we believe this. For to us a child is born, we believe that the child was born. And to us a son is given, he was given to us. And the government will be on his what? Shoulders. And this is where it gets good for us. This is where it gets really meaty for us. And he says, and he will be what? A wonderful counselor. Why don't you say it with me this morning, church? He will be what? A wonderful counselor. He'll be a mighty God, an everlasting father, and a prince of peace. A lot of us know the prince of peace. 
A lot of us sing, have sung a song called Mighty God, and we've also said Everlasting Father, maybe in a prayer. But my, my question this morning, have, have you ever gone to a wonderful counselor? I mean, think about that. Here is what they're describing Jesus as, and it's a game changer. Some actually versions actually put wonderful comma counselor, but for, for the most part, they all mean, and the meaning, the deep meaning is the same. It points back to one person because there's so much more than just a name. There's so much more than just a name. And so today I want to look at the, the prophetic title of Jesus, that he would be called the Wonderful Counselor. Jesus is so much more than just a name. He is the Wonderful Counselor. These two English words came from the Hebrew words Pele Yatset. Okay, Pele Yatset. And, and so Pele, if you don't know, it's, it's a great soccer player, by the way, um, uh, but not really, not for this context. Even though it's true, uh, I, Pele means, means this. It's beyond understanding. It's like, you know, you're trying to describe, you know, the sky, and it's in a beautiful sky. Maybe you see a shooting star, or maybe you've seen something so phenomenal, like a sunset, and you're, just, you're trying to describe it, but there is really no words to describe it. It's just amazing. It's just like, whoa, you, you got to, what, experience it to believe it, to see it, to understand it, to allow it to change your life. Pele. It's, it's too wonderful for words. It's just too wonderful for words. You see, when Isaiah was going to describe the one-day Savior of the world, Jesus, he didn't have the, world's, the words to describe him. He used the word that said there will be no words great enough to tell you just how amazing and awesome he really is. And Yatset is the word, Yatset is the word translated as counselor. And a counselor is just as we would probably assume to advise or to consult, or to guide. And one day a son, a son will be born, given to us. A child will be given to us, and his name will be Pele Yatset. Pele Yatset. He will be the wonderful counselor. He will be the wonderful counselor. He is God in the flesh. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And yet he knows you and cares for you. And he understands exactly what you're going through right now. Therefore, he can be called, he can be called the wonderful counselor. He can be called the wonderful Pele Yatset because he is with us. He is here because as history has recorded very carefully in the rest of your text in your Bible, especially found in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. It says the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. Now this is 700 years later, right? And they will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God with, say it with me, church, us. God with us. Pele Yatset. It is now with us in this life. And for some of you, we come to church, we play the game, we know the stories, but we can't really understand or sympathize with Jesus because we, we feel like Jesus is Jesus and we are who we are. We just come to church. This is the culture thing. This is what we do. 
This is, this is how we roll in this part of our country. And, and I love the way he's described in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. Speaking of Jesus as our high priest, meaning they have exalted him, they are putting him up. Huh, you get this? Think, think about this for a second. They're putting him up, but all of a sudden he comes down. Listen to this. Scripture says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to do what? Who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. He is our high priest. He is our savior. He is our wonderful counselor. He is with us and has been down the same exact roads we have been. Think about this. Jesus has been through what we're going through. He's been tempted in every way that we've been tempted, and yet he was without sin. He understands your pain, he understands your hurt, and he understands what you're going through. He's experienced life just as you have. That's why Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, then let us, let us approach the throne of grace with what? We can come with confidence. Say that with me this morning, church. Confidence. Come on, that was very weak. Say confidence. There it is. Some of you are saying it. You need to approach Christmas this year with confidence so that it may receive mercy and find grace to help who? Us. When? Time to help. In time of need. In that moment of clarity. When you're just saying, I don't, I don't know what's next. Some of you right now, if you're completely honest, you would say, I'm in a significant time of need in my life. I just don't know what to do. Do you realize there's a wonderful counselor ready and willing? There's good news. Is there's somebody here to help us this morning? And his name is Pele Yatset. If the Old Testament introduces Christ as the wonderful counselor to the world, how does Christ then establish himself when he arrives on the scene and begin to live up to his great name? You see, but I believe there are three things, and if you're taking notes, here we go, that that we need to know that establishes this, this name for us. And the first one is this. If he is the wonderful counselor, then we need to be brutally honest with him. You see, in counseling, and I know we got some counselors up here. In counseling, we only get help if we what? Tell the truth. We know what truth does, right? It sets us. Very good, church. You've been to church this morning. You know your church text. It sets you free. We can lie to a counselor. <laughs> we, can t- we can lie. We can, we, we can just get past the hour just answering some simple questions. But how are you going to lie to God? How do you do that one? I mean, you can't. It's physically impossible. We need to be brutally honest with Jesus, the wonderful counselor, because truthfully, so many of us are not. And you're stepping into a Christmas season that's supposed to be amazing, but you can't even get past the first thing, honesty. There is a story in the New Testament that we have studied it before, and you can find it and read all about it in John chapter 4. But it's about a woman who was like so many of us. 
She simply wanted to be loved and she wanted to be accepted. And she thought, if I just find the right person, then life would have meaning. Unfortunately, she picked some bad guys. Ever been there? Or maybe girls, been there? And went from another man to another man and another man and went throughout several men and then ended up on giving up on marriage altogether and apparently actually was shacking up with a guy. And then one day at the well, she met Pele Yatzet, the wonderful counselor, a guy named Jesus. You see, he was obviously incredibly different and Jesus was having a very serious conversation in the middle of this with her and Jesus then asked her one question and she could have told the truth and the conversation could have continued or she could have done what many of us do and she could have lied and tried to switch the subject and move on. We like to press through. We like to move on because we don't like to talk about our junk, right? It weighs us down. Jesus said this to her in John chapter 4, verse 16. John chapter 4, verse 16. He said, hey, go call your husband and then come back. And about this point, knowing that she was living with a guy, she could have very easily said this. Well, my husband is away on business, and you know he's down at the shop, or he's not available right now. But she chose speaking to the wonderful counselor, and she chose to tell the truth. And she said this in John 17, 4, 17. And she said this, she goes, actually, I have no husband. And Jesus went on to say, and what you said is exactly what? True. The fact is that you have had five husbands and the guy you're living with right now, he's not even your husband. And because she was honest with him, Jesus could continue the dialogue with her. You see, I am the living water, he said. I am, I am the living water. Hear that word, I am. I am what you've been searching for your entire life. I am Jesus, and I am Jesus, and I am able to to reveal who I am to you today. And you should start to be brutally honest with the I am, the great I am in your life. For some of you right now, You may be honest for the first time in a long time today. And if you're really honest with Jesus today in completely transparency kind of way, you might even say this to Jesus. I'm not even sure you're good, Jesus. I've prayed about it and I've thought about it. And and, and, and some of the things that's been really important to me, it hasn't really gone my way and you haven't done what I thought you should do and my finances look horrible and my marriage and my kids and my blah, 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 blah. Where are you, Jesus? You see, your faith has been challenged because not everything works out like you want it to be. You can't have it your way. This ain't Burger King. You need to really start to laser focus in on who Jesus is. He's the wonderful counselor. Your faith has been hurt. You could, you could be completely honest today if you want. Some of you might need to be very honest about your marriage. And you might say, you, you know, God, if you don't do something, if you don't have some significant change in my marriage, we're in some big trouble soon. Some of you might say, you know what, I, I've, I've got some, some, some to just to, Clean out and just be completely open and just transparent. I'm hooked. 
I'm hooked on something and it's, and it's bigger than me and I am a slave to it and I am overcome with it this morning. You need to come clean and just confess it. I, I need help. Here's the truth. What about this one? I'm addicted to. Some of you, if you're just completely honest, you need to say these words. My relationship is just all messed up with Jesus. I can't even have intimacy, intimacy with, with someone because someone burned me years ago. I've been physically abused. And I don't even know how to trust, especially God. I just don't want to open up about it. I don't want anybody to know. You see, just getting close to someone doesn't even seem like it's possible because I can't even get close to God. We must be brutally honest with Pele Yatset, with the wonderful counselor, because his name is Jesus and he wants to heal you today. I know this may seem hard to do, but just trust Jesus. There's an old hymn, I love it, trust and obey, for there is no other way. You see, I'm learning right now too. I'm learning more and more daily how to trust or how to cast my cares on Jesus because that's what we're commanded to do. We can trust man a lot. We try to put our, you know, our cares on our own shoulders and sometimes I'm guilty of doing this. I, I try to just bully my way through some things, the physical things that I'm going through personally in some of the events that happened in my life and I try to just make them work and as strong as physically and, and sometimes smart I think I am, I fail. And I don't really, I don't really trust God sometimes. I, I try to, use, I'll use this word, manipulate you see, Psalms 55 says it this way in verse 22. And would you just say this with me? Well, what we're told to do, we're told to what? We're told to cast your cares on who? The Lord. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be what? Shaken. The wonderful counselor just wants to walk with you and he will not allow you to be rattled. There are those of you that are just in need to be brutally honest with the wonderful counselor and to say, Jesus, I need your help. For some of you, you need to hear that today. This Christmas story, a baby in a manger was created to sustain us and, and we are to cast our cares onto the Pele Yatset today. The second thing is this, we must learn to do this one. My, my mom taught me this one a long time ago, and sometimes I'm not very good at it. My wife can tell you that, but it's this. It's to listen. <laughs> Some of you have struggled with that one. We need to listen to the counselor's voice, to listen to what Jesus, the wonderful counselor, will say to us. In fact, look at God's advice to his disciples, to his disciples in Mark chapter 9, verse 7. Mark chapter 9, verse 7. Jesus took three of his disciples up to the top of a mountain of God, and he did this incredible miracle. God transfigured Jesus into this glow in the dark and shiny, this beautiful creature. And then Moses and Elijah appeared on the mountain, and you can imagine these three disciples were like, what is going on, man? This is crazy. I've never seen anything like this in my whole life. And so let, let, and the first thought was like, well, let's build an altar. Let's just build something. Let's just signify this amazing moment in life. What do we need to do? And, and then as fast as these two additional people appeared, they vanished and God spoke. 
And when God speaks, you need to listen. What do you think God said when he, he had these, these disciples now full attention like never before? He, and then you've now got their undivided attention. And here's what God said in Mark chapter 9, verse 7. A voice of God said this, this is my son whom I love. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. You need to hear that this morning. Listen to him. Why don't you say that with me on three? One, two, three. Listen to him. What did God say? He said, listen to him. If there's any three words that God might say to you today, it's listen to Jesus. Listen to him. Listen to what he wants to say to you. This is my son. This is my daughter whom I love. Listen to him because he's going to protect you. Now you may say, but how does he speak? How does Jesus speak? You know, I, how does he speak in all these sort of different ways? And He's the wonderful counselor who speaks, and I promise you, he will speak to you through his word if you seek him. In his word of God, if you start to opening it up, move the dust off and trust it. He may speak to you today through these simple words that we're talking about here, or maybe through worship, which we had earlier, and maybe as we close, or maybe something very specific just for you. He may speak to you through someone sitting next to you in church today. He may speak to you through someone that's, that's it's your, your work. He may speak to you on your way home as you're listening to a song. He may speak to you through a daily devotion or someone's act of obedience. The truth is, you'll know it when it happens. You will know it when it happens. If you listen, you can start to train yourself. You can start to train your, your, your hearing to his voice. You see, I have three children and one on the way, and I have two dogs. If, if we have all our friends over in the yard and my kids and everything's going crazy and the dogs are barking, I, you know, my, my, one of my kids scream or my kids say, Dad, it's amazing how I can hear their voice. And those who are parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You see, I've trained my, my, my ears to recognize my children's voices. Did you hear that? The Father in heaven has trained, trained his ears to listen for your voice. You just got to start listening to his. You can recognize the voice of the wonderful counselor as you learn to listen to him. And here's what he said specifically in John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep do what? My sheep, they listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. If we're brutally honest with the counselor, we listen because we know his voice. He wants to protect us. He's a shepherd. He cares for us. He wants to move us in the same direction to greener pastures. We just got to allow him. We got to follow him. We got to listen. We listen to the counselor's voice. We're brutally honest. And number three, we must do what the counselor tells us to do. We must do what the counselor tells us to do. When he speaks, we must do what he tells us to do, even if we don't even feel like doing it. Like Jenny earlier, she was nervous wrecked to get up here and speak, but she knew she was supposed to do it. She goes, I'm getting ready to puke. I said, trust me, if we do, we'll all puke together. But she's supposed to get up and share what was on her heart. She's supposed to do it. And I'm telling you, we must do what the counselor tells us to do. A quick example. When I had a spiritual conversation with my God uh, concerning taking a step of faith a couple of years ago and asking others to join my family as we followed Jesus, as we trusted Jesus and, and possibly planting a church, I thought he was crazy. 
I seriously thought this will never work out. We have way too many churches in Danville, and why would anyone want to come alongside us? And he said, just trust me with your finances, trust me with my people, and stay laser focused on making disciples. And here we are now, four years later, and we have seen exponential growth for our community, and we have seen people come to know Christ, and my needs have been met like no other. I'm telling you, it is crazy if you just listen and trust the Father. See, the good shepherd may tell you to do something that doesn't make any sense logically, but you do what he says because he is your shepherd. He is your God. He is the wonderful counselor. There is a great example of this in Scripture of a guy who didn't want to do what the wonderful counselor told him to do, and it cost him dearly. In Mark chapter 10, there's a story of a rich guy, and maybe you can relate to this guy, or maybe you can't. But he was very morally but, uh, good, but the things of the world grabbed him. The things of the world grabbed him and absorbed him. And, and if he was alive today, he, he would be the guy that was into his image, into his car, in his house. And he would say, hey, look at me. Look at all these great things that I've got. He would, he would not fully surrender to Jesus because of all these things were too important to him. And here's what the scripture says in Mark chapter 10, verse 20. He said to Jesus, teacher, all these things, your little rules... Hear that word, little rules. I've kept them since I was a little boy. And now in verse 21, Jesus looked at him and he said, you know, what did Jesus tell him to do? Jesus looked at him and said, and he loved him. Jesus looked at him and said, hey, I I love you. I, I love you and I want you to focus on this one word. I love you. Jesus knew this guy's sickness. He knew what he was all about. This guy, like many of us, he was sick, and then he, but he loved material things and possessions. And Jesus didn't look at him and go, hey, you're a loser. Hey, you're a bum. Hey, you know, you're not doing what I'm, you know, you're not following the rules. No, he didn't say any of those things. I don't like you. Get away from me. Jesus looked at him, and he said, I love you. I love you even, even where you're at. I love you. Jesus saw his sickness because Jesus loved him. Jesus told him something that, didn't, that he didn't want to hear because Jesus loved him. Because Jesus loves you, he may tell you something that you need to hear that you don't want to hear. I don't know what it would be, but some of you, Jesus may be speaking to you very clearly and telling you that you need to break up with that one person that you're dating right now, guys. That he's not good for you and you don't want to hear it because you feel safe, you feel comfortable, and he's speaking to you truth because he loves you. And maybe you've been playing the role of a Christian, but truthfully you don't, you don't you know, know what that means or maybe you, you just haven't gone all in. And, and maybe you're one of these CEO type of Christians. You only come around Christmas, Easter, you know, only And maybe you just need to trust him fully with your life and and stop playing this little game we play called church. Some of you think you're just going to to sink for the rest of your life financially because you made some pretty bad decisions. And Jesus may say to you, you know what, I love you. I love you and it's time to downsize. You got too much house and you need to sell the house and you need to get something so much smaller, something more affordable. And you don't want to hear that because he's going to tell you because he loves you. Or you just don't have to trust uh, me first with all that money, right? Yeah, God, no, 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 no. He's actually saying, hey, you need to trust me first. I'm asking you to give to me first and then watch what happens. Because he can shut it off. He, He can do a lot. He is the shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He just wants us to understand this relationship better. What would it look like for you to write a bigger check to him this Christmas than anyone else? How could that change Christmas for you? 
It's always about the giver the way I've been taught, especially following Jesus. You see, some of you, you've got a whole second life going on. You've got some secret addiction stuff, and you will never, ever have the marriage or life that Jesus wants you to have until you do what he tells you to do and come clean. Confess. Be real. Be transparent. Be vulnerable. Bring your real self to him. Some of you have messed up with, have, have messed up families and Christmas is coming and you're going to be there with him and you're going to be smiling and putting on this fake thing. But on the way home, you're going to start to gossip about everyone and he's going to tell you to get it out in the open and talk to your family about the real issues and, and then it's just going to get really, real, really quick. It might even stink, to be honest. You might become the outcast, but I want you to hear this. He loves you. He is with us. He goes before you. He's ready to fight this battle with you. You see, all these circumstances may be very difficult, but here's what Jesus told this rich young ruler. Look at what he said in verse 21. Jesus said this. He said, buddy, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven like you've never believed before. And then come follow me and watch what happens. Just come follow me. Now, before we skip over that, just let that sink in just a second. Go sell your car. Go sell your house, your Wii, your jewelry, clone, bread spread. Go sell it all. Pretty dramatic thing to say, right? This guy, the scripture says in verse 22, this, 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 this dialogue that's going on, it says immediately in verse 22, it says, his face fell and he went away. What? He went away sad. Because he had what? Great wealth. He was unwilling to obey the words of the wonderful counselor. I don't know how to say this any more than I've been trying to say it for a long time right now. But church, if we don't do what he tells us to do, we're a joke. There is no authority in the church if we're not following it. Whereas what the outside, outsiders say, it's just a bunch of what? Hypocrites. We're a joke, and we continue to live a life that's unfilled, unvictorious, and essentially will end up with a life that breaks the heart of God. We will leave immeasurably more at the feet of Jesus and walk away from great adventures with Pele Yatset. When he speaks to you, do what it says to do. You need to do what he says to do. But I believe some of us here today seriously have this one issue, and it's the lack of faith. It's a lack of faith because of something that has happened in the past. And maybe you placed your faith in, this, in a church and you've been burned, and I just want to say I'm sorry. I would encourage you to try Jesus for once. Maybe, maybe you lack a faith because you're unwilling to do what Jesus is telling you to do. And I'm asking you to, to this Christmas, just lean in, just lean in and, and just listen to the wonderful counselor and trust him with everything that you are and see what happens. It could change your life that changes others. And another thing, he cannot, he can only take you so far. He can only take you so far. The rest is between you and your relationship with Jesus. You really have to find fulfillment in him alone. Your success is because of who he says you are, not because of what you can produce. Some of you are tired and worn out because you think you can do everything. 
but you need to find fulfillment in him alone. It's all the healing and fulfillment you will ever need in Christ alone. And I think that's probably some pretty good advice for all of us today. And maybe you have a lack of faith because you're not doing what he told you to do in the first place. And maybe I can help or maybe a counselor or one of our leaders here can help. Maybe a good friend can help a little bit. But ultimately, there is one whose name is Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. And he is so much more than just a name. He is Pele Yatzeh. He is the wonderful counselor. The counselor who is so great, they are not even words to describe him, that wants to help us through life this Christmas and then blend it into life eternal one day. You see, the word, the word I am, the phrase I am, appears in the Bible well over 700 times. Over 500 times in the Old Testament and over 200 times in the New Testament. And Jesus, the one who came to us as the wonderful counselor, refers to himself as the I am in the New Testament hundreds of times. And I believe that the great I am wants to be a part of your lives today because he is so much more than just a name. He is the great I am. He is Pele. Yatzet. Jesus, your name is amazing just to say it. It actually allows the, 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 not, just the, the demons and the ones who don't believe that the darkness, it trembles in, in just in, in when we say it. But the, the weird thing as Christ followers, we struggle sometimes to say it. We try to put it on our shoulders and we try to do it. Some of us lack the faith even to utter it. We've been playing this game, God. We've been playing this game that just has caused some confusion, maybe some doubt. Maybe we've been hurt. And maybe, just maybe, we've never really experienced the wonderful counsel in the first place. We just trusted ourselves. We've been doing this simply because our mom taught us how to do this a long time ago. Our great-grandfather took us to church and we've just been playing the game. We don't even know how to be brutally honest. We, we'll actually tell our friends about things, but we won't tell you. We, we lean into magazines on the rack on how to do life better, but we don't even trust your own word. We sort of live in the darkness, and the only thing you're asking to is to step into the light. You've asked us just to follow you and to trust you and just to do what it says and to listen to your voice. And some of us have got so much junk, so much stuff happening. It has blinded us. It has caused us to go deaf. And it is confusing our world. Jesus, thank you for coming and drawing a line in the sand and saying, I am, I have arrived. I am here. I am now. I am the great I am. And there's nothing more than I want to do than to be with you, whom I love. You just got to listen to me. You got to do what I say. You got to trust me. God, I'm praying for my friends that are in front of me. 
because I just want them to have the greatest Christmas ever. But that only comes if they start to be brutally honest and start to listen and start to do what it says. And it's just to trust you. It's just to love you. Now we're just a little piece, but everything. So God, right now, just start to move in a way we've never seen before. And I'm asking us right now just to, just to be open. Just to be completely open to the great I am who wants to move us this Christmas to experience something immeasurably more. Jesus, that's my prayer for all of us to experience. Pele Yatseh, the wonderful counselor of the world. Jesus, that's my prayer. In your name, amen. Stand, sing. If you want to respond, the altar is open. But I ask you just to check your heart.